0: This podcast is gold. Basketball gold. You're tuned into the best Cleveland Cavaliers podcast in all the land. B- Basketball gold. Hosted by Mike Fratello and Jeff Phelps. Brought to you by Betway.com. Betway for the sport of it. Gambling problem? 1-800-GAMBLING. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Basketball Gold with Fratello and Phelps. My partner, Mike Fratello, former NBA head coach with the Atlanta Hawks, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Memphis Grizzlies. Now color analyst for the Los Angeles Clippers and the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm Jeff Phelps from 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. Mike, we see that you are not in your home. You're in a hotel. Where might you be and what might you be doing, sir?
1: Very fortunate to be in uh, L.A., Los Angeles, and not the best of weather or best of times (laughs) out here. Uh, It has been raining for days out here. Noah is showing up with his ARC very soon. Nice uh, to help us out. We uh, interesting thing, Jeff, to start off the show. We left for the game the other day from LA, heading to Denver, and we were struck by lightning.
0: You were and on that plane.
1: I was on that plane, and it's good this, to have you with us. Yeah. Well, this is the interesting thing to me, and I I, I chastised my partners last night on the way home flying back on the plane. That's Brian Seaman and Noah Eagle, who does radio for us. I chastised him because I said, we were struck by lightning. The plane dropped X number of feet. The women were screaming and yelling. The men were slouched down in their seats, et cetera, et cetera. And neither one of them bothered to wake me up as I was (laughs) taking a nap on the plane. (laughs) And I never knew what had happened. And when I finally did wake up, they went, Oh, and I see the joiners. <laughs> they said, you don't know what you missed. And I didn't. I had no idea what had happened. That oh. We had been struck by lightning. Oh. Uh, when we got off the plane, the entire crew, the pilots, everyone came out. They all had their phones. And they were taking pictures of the tail of the plane where the lightning had struck. It took a piece out, maybe maybe a 10 by 10 inch Piece of the paint, not the plane, but a piece of the paint had just been chipped off or knocked off or whatever lightning does when it hits it, uh, right in the, of the red paint that was up on the back tail. And you could see it, everybody was taking pictures of it. And I guess what happened was right as they were climbing, uh, coming out of uh, the airport in LAX, that's when the lightning hit the plane. And at the same time, a huge wind gust came. The plane started to drop. The pilot turned the engines off and then turned them right back on again. And they said it was like he pointed it straight up. Uh, there was no gradual ascent. It was back up immediately. And they were very close to landing in Phoenix for fear that some instrument damage had been done. Uh, but checking it out the way they did, they felt they could you know, get to Denver and when they got to denver we changed planes coming home after the denver game thank goodness uh, but that's a little bit of excitement that i missed out by falling asleep well that was one heck of a report by a guy who slept through the whole thing well believe me i got it from a lot of people okay and i took I took a lot of verbal punishment for that one not wow. not, not well, being it's... aware and and That was after
0: seeing the second-highest-scoring game in NBA history. We're going to get to that coming up. We're going to take a look at some teams that made some moves at the trade deadline, where they sit right now. But let's start with the Cleveland Cavaliers. All-star break, Mike, they come out, they lose to Denver, they lose to Atlanta with our buddy Joe Prunty as the interim coach at that time. And then they get a win at home over Toronto. Good move by the Cavs. Uh, Second night of a back-to-back for the Raptors. Cavs get a big win. Not exactly the way they wanted to start things. Tough couple of games with Denver and Atlanta, but the win against Toronto and the Cavs are sitting comfortably right now, comfortably now in the fourth spot in the Eastern Conference.
1: I'm not going to make excuses, but I I think it's important that we realize Denver could be the best team in the NBA. I just was part of the game last night. Uh, Jokic only had 40, (laughs) uh, another triple double for him. In you keep, you keep
0: dropping these little nuggets. We were hit by lightning, and Jokic had 40.
1: Yeah, uh, it was th- that's like being hit by lightning <laughs> if, you're the, if you're the opponent, I guess. Um, he he is really, really something special, and it would be no surprise uh, if he won the third straight MVP award to join guys like Bill Russell, Larry Bird. I think it was the Chamberlain that was in there also. Is he the third one that won three MVP awards. Um, but they've beaten the Clippers now four games this mm-hmm. season. Uh, all, all the other ones basically were blowouts. One of them, Jokic did not play. Uh, last night went into overtime. And again, breakdowns, turnovers, uh, lack of communication on one play, two plays can cost you the game. Uh, go back two games ago in that historic second-highest scoring game ever that they played against Sacramento, up three, Sacramento has the ball, timeout, end of the game, and the players were told when the ball comes inside the three-point line, in other words, you're taking away the three-point shot initially, if the guy puts it on the floor and gets inside the three-point line, foul him put him on a line for two, was still up one. The other thing they were told is no help. Everybody stays at home. If the guy beats our defender off the dribble, he scores two. We're still up one. Well, guy put the ball on the floor, got inside the three-point line, went underneath the backboard. Nobody fouled him. He passes the ball to the opposite side of the floor. There was nobody there. They went to help defense and couldn't get back in time. The guy catches, shoots it, ties the game, goes from there into two overtimes, and Sacramento beats – it was a a heartbreaking, tough loss. But these are the things that you're dealing with. Uh, The games are so competitive, Jeff, in these last 20 games down the stretch here because of the importance and significance of each of these games to everybody. And that loss, and then you come back and you play Denver, and they're really good – Murray, Jokic – and the pieces that they've surrounded them with now.
0: Porter when he's healthy.
1: Yeah. Don't don't be surprised if, if they make it to the NBA Finals.
0: I would, I would love to see that. Uh, I, I've always been a big Michael Malone fan. That was the Cavs' first game coming out of the break, Mike, and it, it's become real clear. The Cavs, and we've talked about it on the podcast, the Cavs are playing their starters. That's the way it's going to be. Uh, in their last game against the Toronto Raptors, and I found this interesting, there was 246 left in the third quarter. Cavs had built a nice big 20-point lead and had done a great job. And again, Toronto on the second night of a back-to-back on the road, Cavs did what they were supposed to do. But at that point, 246 left in the third, Cavs bench had two points. And it's real clear. You've talked about it. Your starters are starters for a reason. They're your guys. You're going to go with them. But JB Bickerstaff is gonna gonna ride the starting four, especially, and then whoever is in its small forward at the time. As a coach, Mike, what what do you do to make sure you, you make sure your guys are healthy, keep them fresh as much as you can, while still trying to win critical games down the stretch? And then when you get into the playoffs, it'll be even more so. Plenty of playing time for Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley.
1: Sounds to me, and. and- This is not coming from anyone within the organization. But me looking at it, uh, this team does not have a ton of of playoff experience. So as a result, you can't get experience until you get there. So it looks to me like they're trying to put this group in the best possible position they can entering into the playoffs, which would be with home court advantage in the first round. So they don't want to slip out of that. Uh, four spot, three spot, wherever it is in the end. They'd like to have home court advantage. So going into it, they've got that in their favor to go along with the obviously very talented players that they've put together on the roster. And J.B. feels right now that that's their best way of riding this stretch run uh, to the end. Now, at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if you see him in their next game or the game after that take one of those guys that fell into the last four or five players that did not get into the game, would you say Green is kind of the cutoff line? He got a small amount of minutes. Yeah. You know, give him a taste again. But everybody that fell below that on the roster that did not get into that last game, don't be surprised if you see one of them come into one of these next two games with the head coach saying, I want to keep them involved. I want to keep them motivated. I want to help reward them for their hard work and being a good soldier. So it might just be what he says to them during a shoot around in the morning. "Uh, You've been great. I appreciate your attitude. I appreciate your hard work. Uh, Be ready to go. And I'm going to put you in on this, you know, first rotation coming in off the bench just to keep them there mentally, to keep them a part of it, to keep the spirit up, understanding that look what happened yesterday to the Lakers LeBron goes down and at first he says and you can see him on on his lips on the floor say I heard something pop Mm. he finishes out the game they get a must win for them if they want to hang in there and try for the 10, 9, 8, 7 spots uh, heading down the back stretch here they win the game come back from being 27 down in the first quarter and as Charles Barkley pointed out today, I heard him talking about it. And he said, Look, it, it was 27 in the first quarter, but at the end of the first quarter, it was, well, by halftime, whatever, it was 14. So you're looking at that and saying, yeah, We're right back in this thing. Right. It's not like there weren't 27 down with four minutes to go and came back. But regardless, they came back, won the game. But now, first reports out today were that LeBron will miss the next game. The latter reports out today are LeBron may miss several weeks Ooh. with this foot injury. And they're going back and doing more testing on it now. So having said that, it's all about that group coming off the bench. You better be ready and stay ready because an injury to one key guy, everybody moves up the ladder. It's like everybody moves over a seat and you may be the guy they need to come through and play significant minutes to replace a person that was injured.
0: This is Basketball Gold with Fratello and Phelps. Mike Fratello, former NBA head coach, now color analyst with the Clippers and the Cavaliers. I'm Jeff Phelps from 92 through the fan in Cleveland. Let's take a look at some of the teams, Mike, that made some moves at the trade deadline and are now starting to unveil what it is they have and starting to get a get a feel for what they might have. Let's start in the East with the team that I think Cav fans are paying a lot of attention to, the Miami Heat. Heat are behind the Cavaliers and trying to catch up a little bit. And they have a lot of talent, a lot of veteran talent. They went out and brought in Kevin Love from the Cavaliers and Cody Zeller, whose brother Tyler played for the Cavaliers. And in Kevin's first couple of games, Mike, uh, not stellar. First game out, of course, he had barely practiced with him. He played 21 minutes. He was over four from the field. He did have eight points and four rebounds. Second game, and he's been starting. He, He is a starter for the Miami Heat. Let me make sure I said that right. Kevin's been starting. And in a second game, played 26 minutes. And it was the second night of a back-to-back, came against Charlotte. The Heat lost both games. Uh, but 13 points, 13 rebounds off the bench. He Or, excuse me, starting. So a double-double in 26 minutes. And it was 4 of 11 from the field and 3 of 9 on threes. It's short sample size, but you don't get 13 and 13 in 26 minutes unless you can still play. So whatever happened in Cleveland... Miami, I think, is pretty happy to have him right now, Mike.
1: Each team had their reasons for doing what they did. We wish nothing but the best for Kevin. In my, in my opinion, he, he handled himself uh, as a, a real pro. Uh, coming off the bench after having the illustrious career that he had, accepting the role of being a veteran leader with all these young guys, I thought he was sensational last season and then this season. Uh, The broken thumb, the back problems, uh, maybe not as productive as he had been. But for whatever the reasons were, obviously front office uh, management, uh, coaching staff had decided this is what we're going to go with down the back stretch the last quarter of the season. This is how we feel we can win the best way. That's not saying that Kevin can't play anymore. It's just saying that what they have, this nucleus of moving forward, because remember, Kevin's contract was up at the end of this season, Mm -hmm. so it doesn't necessarily mean they were going to offer him another contract uh, for a year or two after that. And now you're asking them – at least the communication part was the first thing that was there. They sat and said, look, we're going to take you out of the rotation. You're not going to play. We want you to be there. want you to stay ready, be a good soldier, and understand this is a decision we made. Miami – sees that there's somebody that possibly could be out there, and they had a great need, size, rebounding. They were getting pounded on the glass. If you can get second-shot opportunities and kick them back out to a team that shoots as many threes as Miami does, you have a chance of putting a lot of points on the board. If you ask me about Miami, Jeff, I don't know what it is about Miami this season. They have been, to me, the most consistently inconsistent team (laughs) that's in the NBA. They. You, know, you think they're gonna be good at put a string together the three yeah. or four and and then all of a sudden they lose four in a row and then they're back under 500 by two or three games. And then they win five and then they're over 500 by two or three games. I don't you know just not quite sure what's going on. I know Lowry's been hurt uh, a lot during this season. Uh, they changed rotations a couple times. Remember they signed the great three point shooter. Is it Robinson his name? Duncan um, Robinson. Yes, and they signed him to a new contract and then they signed Hero to a new contract.
0: And, and, and Robinson's not been playing as much as, as he that's had That's my in the point. Past. Yeah. Not yeah. My,
1: that's exactly my point. And Hero, another young guy got a, got a big contract. And sometimes young guys who get big contracts don't understand how to handle it. They don't know how fortunate they are. Uh, like like Charles Barkley said today. He said when I see the size of these contracts, he said he said, I went, I went to my mother's grave and dug her up and told her, Mom, you, you had me too early. He needed <laughs> to wait a little bit. It could have been me collecting these checks. <laughs> Do you like,
0: You know, I, I would think if you're Miami, and the organization's terrific, Mike, but with Kyle Lowry and Oladipo and now with Kevin Love, you have three guys who obviously have great resumes, but three guys where you kind of keep your fingers crossed and hope that they are good to go to help you down the stretch.
1: Without question, uh, you know, their mentality right now is obviously they want to win now. Give them a chance while they've got these pieces and they haven't gotten too old. Lowry's looks like right on the fence of being one of those guys that keeps getting injured. Looks at a lot of minutes on that body, a lot of wear and tear, Mm -hmm. driving, slashing into the basket, hitting the floor, taking charges, hitting the floor. So he's put his body through a lot physically, and they probably see it as that fine line of can he do it anymore, not do it anymore, uh, can we surround these guys with enough help that if we get on a roll of all playing our best, if Jimmy Butler leads us once again, then we've got a chance out of Bio being an all-star again. You know, they're playing him at that center position, but you get a center, why well, couldn't Love be the five-man and out of be the four-man because he runs the floor so well He's so athletic. Those different kinds of combinations, I'm, th- I'm sure, things that they talked about and they want to see down the back stretch, how it works, because I think they looked at themselves and said, you know we're going? We're going nowhere right now. We've got to do something to try and make a change in this team, and that's what they did.
0: How dangerous could Phoenix be, Mike, with Kevin Durant? Expected to come back Wednesday of this week. At least that's what the, the thinking is right now. The On paper, it looks phenomenal. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton—that's a great foursome. Do you think it works on the floor for them?
1: Well, that's a good question, and and I'm not so overwhelmingly sure, like I was when the first happened. That I went, wow. Yeah. And then I stopped and started thinking about it. They gave away a lot. All right, um, a lot of depth, a lot of a lot of youth. Yeah, you, know, you know Malik going to you know, goes to Brooklyn two or three games in, gets 45 for the Nets. Uh, yeah. Not a bad player. And yeah, then – And Bridges. Yeah, Bridges. And then Cam, uh, Cam Johnson, was it, that they traded mm-hmm. also in that deal? <laughs> Pretty good player.
0: And he's he- had good games for already for Brooklyn.
1: Yeah. So they gave up a lot of the backup stuff that made them a really good team over the last couple of seasons. Now, how do they replace that lack of depth? Well, you're getting Kevin Durant, who – obviously is one of the best if not best players in the league right now. And you're hoping that that, that group of Durant, Booker, Chris Paul, one of the all-time great point guards, Aiton, yeah. young rising center, who's, who's been very good over the last year or two. You're hoping that that's enough. And maybe they take the route of JB and go eight players deep because that might be what they have to do to survive. But the West, West is tough. I don't think there's a lot of teams that are shaking in their boots right now out West about Phoenix. I think they respect them a lot, but they haven't even played a game yet with Kevin Durant there. And with that depth missing, let's do a wait and see rather than pencil them into the finals right away.
0: The team that I'm really intrigued by, Mike, and I I keep an eye on a little bit because one of you, uh, two Ty Lue, Always been a, a Thai fan from his days in Cleveland. The Los Angeles Clippers bring in, along with Eric Gordon and Bones Highland and Mason Plumley, they bring in Russell Westbrook. And according to all the reports you read, Russell was brought in with the understanding they sat him down and and apparently said, Hey, look, we we love your playmaking, we love your hustle. And we have you know Kawhi Leonard, we have Paul George, we have guys. We don't need you to take shots, but certainly, you know, you don't tell Russell Westbrook not to score if he gets the chance. Do you like that fit? I I think it could be so much fun to watch Russell Westbrook with George and Kawhi Leonard. And then the other guys they brought in too are going to help all the way around. I think the Clippers might be, I, I don't know if you'd call them a dark horse because they're still right there, but well, they could be a team that I think could could threaten Denver in the Western Conference if they are able to get it all together in a short period of time.
1: Well, think about what I said uh, in in the show earlier—the fact that we, and I say we, meaning Clippers, because I do their broadcast, 0 and 4 against Denver. But the first three games weren't even close; they just kicked the Clippers' butts. Now, since they made that move, they play a game uh, number four last night and an overtime game at Denver. So, and that was without Ivita Zubac, their starting center for the Clippers was not playing in that game. So that's the value of Plumlee. Plumlee not only is a terrific backup to Zubac, but you can start him and he can hold his own against a lot of centers in the league. Uh, Now think about this. He was on Denver's team. He knows Jokic as well as anybody's going to know Jokic because he was there three, three or four seasons and Jokic got 40 points. Okay, another triple-double. So that tells you how hard it is to guard that guy. And then uh, Michael Porter Jr. is shooting the ball extremely well. He seems to be healthy right now. Gordon finally came back for him last night and fouled out of the game. But it's another tough body, strong rebounder. And he has been a clipper killer in the past. And just another body that they used. And Murray now is finally getting close to the 100% point with his knee. Uh, he had played in their loss the night before and played back-to-back games, which is surprising to a lot of people. But he only played, you know, he played limited minutes in the, in the loss the night before, the crushing loss that they had. And he was ready to bounce back. And they are on a mission. They, they played that way. Came out last night, they were up like 27-7 or something like that to start the game on the Clippers. This team, their whole focus is winning the championship. They think that they're deep enough. They think they have the MVP player. Then they've got a guard in Murray, who's as good as, you know, Murray, Booker, you take your choice, which one you like better. But they're they're really good. So um, I can tell you firsthand that they got a chance.
0: This is Basketball Gold with Fratello and Phelps. Mike Fratello, Jeff Phelps. Mike just called the two-overtime game second-highest game in NBA history, point total-wise. Kings beating the Clippers, 176-175. When you hear two overtimes, Mike, the immediate reaction is, well, okay, well, it was double overtime. No wonder you scored a lot of points. But what gets me is the game was tied at 153 after regulation. That, that was tough, and it made me think, what's going on with scoring this year? Is it, is it as up as it feels like it is to me? So a little research here. Courtesy of our friends at basketballreference.com, point totals right now in the NBA, teams are averaging 114.4 points a game, which makes it the ninth highest scoring average per team in NBA history, ninth all time. And I think that's saying something, but I'm not exactly sure why and what. You know, I know you 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 can't check guards like you used to. You got to keep your hands to yourself. What more is feeding into this, Mike?
1: Well, that's a big, big thing you just said there about the, the rules where you can't put your hands on guys because, you know, back in the old days when the game was allowed to be more physical, you'd get up, you had hand-checking, you put a forearm in on a guy that you're trying to guard, and if you're stronger, you can drive him off his course, no direct line drives to the basket, uh, all that kind of thing, but that's gone now. Uh, they wanted, like, football, move, move lines on the field, and uh, now base, now baseball, okay, we have the... Uh, how many seconds are you you're allowed to take between 15. pitches and 15. fifteen and twenty, right? Yeah. yeah. And and now catchers don't even give signals anymore between their legs. They tap buttons and the buttons go into an earpiece. So it's for a former catcher, I'm very disappointed. <laughs> I don't see them putting numbers down their fists down there, right side of the leg, left side of the it was fun, Mike. It, not, yeah, not anymore. I know. <laughs> no, but What's happened in basketball is they wanted more points scored. Then this thing came in of pace and tempo. What's pace? What's tempo? Uh, basically what they're saying is they wanted the game sped up. And more guys felt that if we play at a higher speed, we can involve more people in the lineup because they're going to need breaks sooner and not play guys as many minutes perhaps, which eventually would not wear them down as frequently. Right. Uh, and while all this is going on, we also have workload management. And then we have salaries going up. Let's just keep that in mind. That's another topic for another day. But that's why we're seeing the scoring increase and the use of the three-point shot being as prevalent as it is now. Uh, In that game, I don't know if you have that box score right in front of you, Jeff, uh, Jeff, of the Clippers versus Sacramento. But Mm -hmm. I believe, if I remember, 45 three-pointers for one team and 41 three pointers for the other team. I'm trying uh-huh. to remember. I think that's a total of 86 three pointers. If you ever find it, see how close I am to remember. It was four days, four days ago, maybe that we did that.
0: But- yeah, the 41 three point attempts by Sacramento. 45. Very, very well done, sir by the Los Angeles Clippers. And and the Clippers hit 26 of them. So they shot 58% on (laughs) three-pointers. Shooting was incredible
1: for both teams during the entire game. It may have cooled off a little bit as they went into double overtime, but the entire game, both teams are shooting around 60, 62, 64% from the floor.
0: And they finished there. Kings were at 58.6%. Clippers were at 60.2%. Is that because they're hot, Mike, or is there no defense in this game? You called it.
1: What I said on the broadcast was, and the story is true, it's hard to really say there's no defense here because that's not necessarily the case. It's that they come back at you so fast. Hmm. Sacramento is in the top five teams, maybe top three teams now, in the league at how quickly they get shots up, how much time is left on the 24-second clock when they take a shot there. With Sacramento, it's 15 seconds. is still left on the 24-second shot. That's what they're averaging right now. So you realize that you've got to get back, and you've got to get back so quickly, and you've got to regroup and be compact because their drivers and slashers like De'Aaron Fox are getting in the lane unless you keep them out by being compact and getting back. Compound that whole situation by turnovers you have no chance of getting back and defending them. You turn the ball over against them, you know, live ball turnovers, they're at the other end of the floor. You got two guys back against three or four. And they're getting high percentage shots. When they're making threes like that, it's a problem to play good defense.
0: Mike Brown's time in Golden State apparently has really affected him, right? He was a we, we knew him as a defensive-minded coach when he was in Cleveland, sitting here with Steve Kerr for all that time. Apparently, some of that offensive philosophy is rubbed off a little bit.
1: There's no question. And Mike is a, and that's the sign of a great coach. If you have the flexibility to change what you once were with one group of people to a different group of people and take advantage, why could nobody else up until Mike Brown get this team of talented players to win? They've made a couple of trades adjustments, tinkered with the roster, did a nice job on that first round pick they had last year. I think it was number 13, Was their first round pick,
0: Keegan Murray.
1: Yeah. And now here comes Mike Brown in and go back to exhibition season and go back to the beginning of the seasons. Jeff, they did not get off to the best start. And people going, Here you go again with the Sacramento. They're they're (laughs) going to be the bottom of the league again. But Mike Brown's philosophy, Mike Brown's principles, You had to give him a chance to sit in with the, you know, these guys are seeing new coaches every year and a half, two years. So now Mike Brown comes in and it took him a while to sink in. But you can see it taking place now. You can see what they're about offensively, what they're trying to do. And defensively, they'll get better and better. It's a young group uh, being coached extremely well right now.
0: And they're sitting third right now in the Western Conference. They're seven games behind Denver, as we speak.
1: Wow. How about that? Yeah, that's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah. Uh, One one last thing I want to drop in to basketball gold here. Uh, You worked with Joe Prunty coaching international ball. Joe was an assistant in Cleveland. I got to know him really well. Uh, When the Hawks decided to move on from Nate McMillan, Joe was given the interim job. They beat Milwaukee. Or, excuse me, they, they came up with two wins. And it follows up his time in Milwaukee, where he took over for Jason Kidd. And they went 21-16 and 16 in Milwaukee. They got into the playoffs as a seven seed, took the number two seed Celtics down to a seven-game series. Uh, they lost it in seven. And now 2-0 and in Atlanta. Personally, I, I hope Joe gets the chance that I think he deserves to one day be a head coach in the NBA. And maybe just by coaching Atlanta in two very impressive wins, and being the bridge then between Nate McMillan and looks like Quinn Snyder, you know, maybe Joe gets a little recognition and gets a shot, Mike, because I know we both feel very, uh, very highly about Joe Prunty.
1: Well said. And, and look, let's, let's be real here. Okay. They just didn't think of Quinn Snyder uh, two days after they had fired Nate McMillan. That was the first time they had him in mind. So who knows if there was any dialogue before that, Uh, who knows, if they had had discussions and oftentimes teams will tell the, the leading candidate, the guy that they want, um, look, we're going to make a move here. It's inevitable. It doesn't matter what you say. We've made up our mind that we're going to make a move. We're just thinking about when to do it. Would you be interested in this job? You know, and and that's what happens a lot in the league. So they try to feel the guy out that they want. Yeah. And if they knew that, and that's the direction they were going in, uh, for Joe Plunty, he went in and did what he had to do. He's asked to go from one seat as the assistant, move over, and now you're going to be the interim head coach. If that had not happened, if it was legitimately a search where they were going to interview four or five, six people for the job, Joe may have won enough games where after four or five of the interviews, they may have said, hold on a sec, let let's watch this guy here that we have already. He's already here. And – you know, you're going to get feedback then from the players the players are going to say hey, we like this guy. This guy you know this this guy would be perfect for us it's just that it happened too soon and and as great a job as Joe did he just didn't really get a fair chance there uh, to step into that spot but uh, Joe Brunty's an excellent excellent coach besides the years that I had known him in the NBA uh, where he's been an assistant alongside some outstanding head coaches I then faced him. Uh, when I was coaching the Ukrainian national team in the European championships and Joe was coaching Great Britain.
0: Yeah, he was coaching the English team.
1: And we, uh, I, I I believe there was one year that we faced each other, There our game between us, the winner of that game, decided who moved on. And, you know, we were fortunate at that time, but Joe does an outstanding job. He's a, and, and when I coached Team USA, Joe was my assistant on Team USA. And ironically, hold on, I'm going to, Lower this down. There, Look at it, there. Oh, oh, that's right. Just have to have it on right there. there. There it is. So it's fabulous. He was uh, he was one of the assistants on, and and w- was wonderful in the preparation and the scouting reports on our opponent. So I'm really, as you are, I'm really happy for it.
0: And we both really hope he gets a, a well-deserved opportunity to be a head coach full time in the NBA. So Joe, we're pulling for you. Uh, well done, sir. Please. Try to avoid high-scoring games in the NBA. It's, it's just a long night for you. You don't need that. And then if you're going to be in bad weather, just keep sleeping on those airplanes, okay? Sleep, sleep right through the storm, right?
1: <laughs> That's all we want, Mike. What? We want you for the next basketball gold. My partners couldn't figure out why I was chastising him. You know, I said, you didn't even wake me up. I, I wouldn't have had a chance to say goodbye to you if that guy didn't get the engine to start back up.
0: Thank you. Uh, We can laugh about it now. Thank God nothing happened. Um, He's Mike Fratello. I'm Jeff Phelps, and this has been Basketball Gold. Thank you for listening. This has been Basketball Gold, brought to you by Betway.com. Betway, for the sport of it. Gambling problem?
1: 1-800-GAMBLER.